Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Hi, how's everyone doing? Yeah. All right, yes. I just want to say what a great weekend we had last weekend for Easter Sunday. If you were here, it was such a great service last Sunday. And I'm just so excited about what God's doing in Mansfield at the moment. It's just incredible. God is doing something new in Mansfield and it's so exciting. This morning we're starting a new series and it's called Bring on the Wall. And this series is taken from the book of Nehemiah in the Bible. And it's all about the story of Nehemiah's life. So I'm just going to start by reading um, something from the first chapter of Nehemiah. It says, In late autumn, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Han and I, one of my brothers, came to visit me and with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned and fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. See, Jerusalem was Nehemiah's hometown. It was where he came from, where he was brought up. And to hear that it was in so much devastation and destruction, it broke Nehemiah's heart. Now, we see many stories on the news of just devastation, don't we? Only last weekend, we heard about the bombings in Sri Lanka that killed 290 people, which was horrible. And we we hear about 9-11 and the Manchester bombings. And it's just, it breaks our heart, doesn't it, when we see this, when we see what's happening in other parts of the world. But this was Nehemiah's hometown that this was happening in. And he just felt utter heartbreak. And I want to ask you this morning, does your heart break for the town of Mansfield? Does your heart break for the people who are sick and who are suffering? Does your heart break for the homeless and the people who are struggling financially in Mansfield? Does your heart break for the lost, the people who don't yet know Jesus? See, Nehemiah, he didn't just stop at feeling that heartbreak. He was called to action. Um, If we look at the story, it says that he prayed for days. He prayed that God would hear his prayer and help the people of Jerusalem. And he also prayed that God would make a way so that he could personally go and help the town of Jerusalem. He was called to action. See, Nehemiah was a servant. His job was called a cupbearer. So what that meant is that he would try all the food and drink before the king had it to make sure it wasn't poisoned. Now that sounds a great job eating and drinking all day. Not great if the food actually gets poisoned. Um, But that was his job and he asked God that God would make a way that he would give favour with the king so that he would be able to go and help the town of Jerusalem. He didn't just feel the heartbreak, he felt the call to go and make a difference. Do you feel a call to make a difference in this town of Mansfield? Do you feel a call to go and help the hurting, the broken, the lost people in Mansfield? Or are you just comfortable living your life, focusing on what you're doing and not looking around at the world that's calling out for your help? See, to step into your calling, it requires you to step out of your comfort zone. 
for Nehemiah to step into the call of going and helping the town of Jerusalem, he had to leave his job as the cupbearer. He had to have that uncomfortable conversation with the king of leaving his job, what he was doing, and going and helping Jerusalem. Are there some uncomfortable conversations that you need to have to step into your calling? Are there some uncomfortable decisions that you need to make to step into your calling? See, when I was younger, I loved babies. When I was a kid, I just loved babies. If there was a baby around, I would be there, like stroking its face and holding its hand. Like even if the mum's breastfeeding, I would be right there. That was me. That's the kind of kid I was. I just loved babies. And I knew that when I left school that I wanted to do something with babies. I wanted to work with children and babies. Um, So I got a job at a nursery. I loved it. I was in the baby unit. Um, It was just a dream. It was my perfect job. I loved it. And uh, I was great going there, just loving the job. And then I felt God calling me onto something else. I felt God calling me to not only look after children, but to actually teach them about him. I felt God calling me to lead the kids ministry at Arena Church. And that was a big thing for me to leave the job that I was comfortable in, that I was good at, to go and do the unknown, to go and do something that I wasn't really sure if I'd be good at, I wasn't sure if I could do, but I felt God calling me to it. So it meant me leaving my job at the nursery eventually and um, working part-time and volunteering two days a week at church to um, be the kids' pastor. And it was scary, but it was amazing. Like, because it's just so, so good when you're living in your calling, when you're living in what God's put you on this earth to do. It's amazing. It's exciting. You know, um, when I was um, a kid, I used to dread Sunday nights. Did anyone else get that feeling of dread on a Sunday night? Because you know you've got to go to school on the next day. I remember watching something called Heartbeat. Anyone remember Heartbeat? That was always on on a Sunday night. And when that came on, I just felt this dread. I've got to go to school the next day. Um, But I don't get that anymore. I don't get that dread. I'm so excited to go to work on a Monday because I'm doing what God's called me to do. It's so exciting. It's scary at first when we start doing it and we start stepping out of our comfort zone. But when we're living in our calling, when we're living in what God's called us to do, it's so exciting. See, what will you do when God calls you out of something that's successful into something that's sacrificial? See, Nehemiah, he had to come out of his success as a cupbearer, his job that he'd been doing for, for many time, into something that was sacrificial, leaving his job and going and helping the town of Jerusalem, going and rebuilding the town. It was sacrificial, but he listened to the call of God and went and did it. If we move on to chapter 2, it says... Early the following spring, now notice that the following spring, back in the um, first part of the story, we were in late autumn. So this is six months later, in the month of Nisan, during the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was serving the king his wine. I had never before appeared sad in his presence. So the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Then I was terrified, but I replied, Long live the king, how can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried are in ruins, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. The king asked, Well, how can I help you? 
That's amazing. You see, Nehemiah has been praying for months and months that God would make a way with the king so that he could go and fulfill the calling. And here we see the king asked, how can I help you? With a prayer to God of heaven, I replied, if it is to please the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors, my ancestors are buried. The king with the queen sitting beside him asked, how long will you be gone? When will you return? After I told him how long I will be gone, the king agreed to my request. God made a way. See, if God calls you, no one can stop you. No one can stand in your way. No person, no obstacle, no devil can stand in the way of God's call on your life. See, we get so scared to step out of our comfort zone and do something new. But the thing is, is God has our back. God makes a way. He walks before us as he did for Nehemiah. He prepared the way for him. So he didn't need to be scared because God prepares our way because God's calling on your life is from God. So God will make a way for it to happen going on to the next bit of the verse in Nehemiah it says so I arrived in Jerusalem three days later I slipped out during the night taking only a few others with me I had not told anyone about the plans God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. We took no pack animals with us except the donkey I was riding. After dark, I went out through the valley gate, past the jackal's well, and over to the dung gate to inspect the broken walls and the burned gates. Then I went to the fountain gate and the king's pool, but my donkey couldn't get through the rubble. So though it was still dark, I went up to the Kidron Valley instead, inspecting the wall before I turned back and entered again at the valley gate. The city officials did not know I'd been out there or what I was doing, for I had not yet said anything to anyone about my plans. I had not spoken to the Jewish leaders, priests, nobles or officials or anyone in the administration. But now I said to now I said to them, you know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. Then I told them about how gracious the hand of God had been on me and about my conversation with the king. They replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall. So they began the good work. See, to fulfill the calling that Nehemiah had, he had to involve other people. He couldn't do it on his own to fulfill that calling. He needed to take people on the journey with him. And for us to achieve our calling, we have to take people on the journey with us. See, me and Josh, we feel called to um, build the Arena Church Mansfield. We feel called to make a difference in this town of Mansfield, but we can't do it on our own. We can't make a real difference in Mansfield on our own. We need people with us. We need to take people on this journey with us. And so this morning, I am asking you, will you come on this with us? Will you come on the call with us and make a difference in the town of Mansfield? Will you help us build Arena Church Mansfield? See, you'll notice in this church we have many teams that operate to make church happen. And that's how, we, um, that's how we run church. That's how we get people to come in because of team, because of people. And they all do an amazing job. And the kids' church is incredible. Last year, we had an average of eight children a week. This year, we are averaging 23 children a week, which is just incredible. It's amazing. Yeah, give God a round of applause for that. It's just amazing. 
And we believe that next year we could double again. It's just amazing. But the thing is, is we still only have five leaders that run the kids' church. Five leaders. And we can't keep growing unless the leadership grows, unless we have more helpers and more leaders to be able to include more kids. We need more people with a passion for kids and a passion for seeing kids following Jesus. Because we see the importance of kids' church. Because we don't believe that children have to wait till they're older to make a decision to follow Jesus. We believe they can make a decision from a young age so that they can live their life not going and making all bad decisions and then coming to God, that they can start their life from a young age with God making good decisions. So we know how important kids' church is, but we need more leaders so that we can reach more kids and bring more kids in. So if you have a passion for kids, please go and join the kids' church team. We've got a great hosting team. You'll notice people that are helping, that are welcoming, that are serving you tea and coffee, that are on the car park welcoming you. And at Arena Church, we are determined that every single person that walks through this building feels welcome, feels loved, and feels like they belong. It would break our heart if someone came in this place and went away again without talking to anyone. We are determined to make sure they do. And that's why we have a great hosting team. But we need more people. As we grow, we need more people who are going to be determined to just go and speak to people as they come in, to just make people feel welcome, to make them a cup of coffee. We need more people on team. We have um, small groups in this church. We believe in the large, but we also believe in the power of the small group. And we've got some great small groups because we believe it's so important for people to have that place where they can just connect with people. They can be vulnerable. They can pray together. And we need more small group leaders so that we can have more small groups so that we can involve more people and have more interest groups. We have um, a youth group that runs on a Friday night, Arena Students, and um, I think Joanna runs it. I think there's about three of them that run that. And um, we need more people to serve on that team so that we can reach more young people. I love that we're a church of multi-generations. We've got kids, we've got um, seniors, we've got everything in between, but... I think we really miss young people in this service. If we look around, there's not many of that age group of 11 to 18s, and we need to get more young people in. We don't want to see them out on the streets causing trouble. We want to see them in this place worshipping Jesus. And to do that, we need some more people on a Friday night who are going to commit to getting the young people in and teaching them about God. We have a great worship team, don't we? They did amazing this morning. They're great, and... Um, we, we just really value the worship team, but we, again, we need more people. We still have to nick the drummers from Ilkiston because we don't have drummers in Mansfield, so we thank you to Dean and Dave who come across. But we need some drummers. We need some musicians who, who are talented, can I just say, because if I was playing guitar up here, I would definitely not be leading people into worship. We need talented people who are passionate about worship and about leading people into worship. We need more people in all areas to just serve, to just live out the calling so that we we can make a difference in Mansfield. I'm asking you this morning, will you come on board? Will you join us as we're trying to build church and as we're trying to make a difference in Mansfield? And again, in your workplaces, in your school places, where you are in your world, will you, will you pray that God would just give you opportunities to speak about him? Would you pray that he'd give you opportunities to invite them to church? Because making a difference starts in your world where you are. I can't go into your workplaces and talk about, uh, talk about God, but you can do that. So let's 
try and make a difference. Let's achieve this call that God's put on us by just making a difference in this town and in your world. Now, you might have heard these things and been like, oh, I think I could do that, but... Um, or that sounds like something I, I'll be interested in, but, and we can have these excuses, can't we? So I just want to finish by addressing some things that can hold us back from stepping into our call. Okay, so the first thing is the people that we're spending time with. I just want to read um, a story to you from 1 Samuel 3. Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak he could barely see, was laying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord, where the ark of God was. The Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. And Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up, went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call you, go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time, the Lord called Samuel and Samuel got up again and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you again, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went back and lay in his place. See, the people we are spending our time with, the people that um, we are the closest to, affect whether we can hear the call of God or not. See, if we're hanging around with the wrong kind of people, it can stop us hearing from God. It can stop us hearing what God's calling us to do. When I first became a Christian, I was 16, and uh, my closest friends were the people that I went to school with. And um, when we left school, life was about parties, really, and going out places. And, and I realized that I needed to get some different friends, not Altogether, but the clo- I knew that the closest friends in my life had to be good to be people for me because I knew that if I stayed with this group, then it had stopped me in my journey with God. That I needed people who were going to encourage me and spur me on in my Christian journey. It's so important who we spend time with. Like we saw in the story, um, Eli was the closest person to Samuel, so he mistook the voice of God for Eli because that's who he was spending the most time with. But if we're spending time with people who aren't good for us, it can stop us hearing the call of God on our lives. Are we hanging around with people who are are going to encourage us, who are going to um, support us in the call of God? Or are we hanging around with people who say things like, why do you go to church on a Sunday? You don't need to go to church on a Sunday. Or why don't you just take some drugs? It doesn't matter. You know, no one's going to know. Your church friends won't know. It's fine. Just do it. Are we hanging around with people like that who are a bad influence on our life? Or are we hanging around with people that are good and that are cheering us on and and calling us to all that God has for us and encouraging us? Who we spend time with affects our whole life. Now, I'm not saying don't hang around with people who aren't Christians. I'm not saying that. But the closest people to us, the people that we let speak into our lives, they need to be good people who are going to be good for us and good in our lives. See, um, 
when I started leading the kids' ministry, my two closest friends were amazing. They were so supportive. They're like, you can do this. It's going to be amazing. In fact, one of them was like, I'm going to join you. I'm going to join the kids' team with you, and we can do this together. It's amazing. Who we have in our life is so important. So make sure you're spending time with the right people. The second thing that can hold us back is hard work. Now, calling doesn't just happen. You have to make it happen. But it's so worth it. I have two children, um, Judas three and Willow's one. And let me tell you guys, labor is hard work. Okay, it is. It is hard work. In fact, I heard this um, fact. I think it's a fact. I don't know. But it says that the pain of labor is the equivalent of 20 bones being fractured at the same time. Now, I'm sorry, Sam, because I know you've got to go through labor soon. But I'm going on to say <laughs> it is worth it. I've done it twice. I've not just done it once. I've done it twice. And I'm trying to work on the third time. But Josh isn't really going for it. So if you want to help me out, guys, you can just speak to him after the service. That would be great. But um, we do it again because it's so worth it. When we hold that little baby at the end, it's so worth all the pain, all the hard work that we had to put in. It's so worth it. Now, I wouldn't want to do it. I wouldn't want to go through it if I didn't get anything at the end. My father-in-law, a couple of years ago, he had kidney stones. And they say that the pain of kidney stones is like labor. But you don't get anything at the end. You just get a stone. So I would not want to go through it all for that. But living in the call of God is so worth putting in that hard work. It's so worth the challenges that you might face, the work that you have to put in to get there. It's so worth it because living in the call of God is amazing. Like I said earlier, I'm I'm so excited on a Monday morning to go to work because I'm living in my calling. I'm living in what God's called me to do. And it's just so exciting when you do that. It's so worth it. The next thing that we can get, um, that can hold us back, is distraction. Kids get so distracted, as anyone noticed. So my little boy Judah, he'll say, Mummy, I want to go for a wee. I'm like, go on then, up you go, up the stairs. I turn around two minutes later, and he's playing. I'm like, Judah, I thought you needed a wee. Oh yeah, off, off he goes. Then I hear banging, I'll go upstairs, he's in his bedroom playing. I'm like, Judah, I thought you needed a wee. Oh yeah, off he goes. He gets so distracted. And we all get distracted, don't we? In fact, when I was right in this message, I was like, oh, just uh, need to clean that. Oh, I forgot, yeah, I need to go and do that. We just get so distracted by things around us, don't we? But the thing is, if we always get distracted and let ourselves get pulled away, then we're never going to achieve anything. We're never going to step into the call of God if we keep getting distracted by other things. We need to keep our eyes focused on what we're doing and not let the distractions um, pull us away. We need to learn to block out the distractions and keep focused on where we're going. If you carry on reading the story of Nehemiah, you'll see later on in the story that he got faced with distraction but he blocked it out. He just kept focused on what his calling was because he knew he needed to achieve it. He needed to achieve what God called him to do. He needed to rebuild that wall so he couldn't let any distraction get in the way. And for us to achieve the call of God in our lives, we need to learn to block out those distractions and just go for the call of God. And the last thing is fear. We all get fear, don't we? The fear of failure, the fear of being laughed at, the fear of challenge and opposition. We all get faced with fear, especially when it's doing something new, something that we don't know, we don't know what's going to happen. When we've got to step out of our comfort zone, we can get fear. 
And I saw this quote, um, I think it's going to come up on the screen, which I thought was great. Everything worth doing starts with being scared. That's so true. Everything worth doing starts with being scared. If, it's, if you don't get scared, it's probably not worth you doing. Because your calling will give you a bit of fear, will, give you a bit of, uh, will scare you a little bit. But you've got to feel that and do it anyway. We had this old pastor at the Ilkeston campus called Eric. And he once um, preached this message years ago called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. And I've remembered that preach years on. I constantly remember it when I feel fear because that statement is so powerful. Feel the fear and do it anyway. You're going to feel fear when you're stepping out into something new. You're going to feel it, but do it anyway, because it's so worth it. It's so worth you feeling that fear. So many people will feel fear when they do something amazing. Steve Jobs, when he created the iPhone, I bet he first went before he released that phone, he felt fear. What if this doesn't work? What if this isn't a good idea? What if people don't, don't like it? People don't use it. He would have felt fear, but he did it anyway, and look what happened. The iPhone is arguably one of the best phones in the world. I say arguably because me and Josh like different things. I'm for the iPhone, Josh is not. So I think the iPhone is the best phone in the world. But Steve Jobs, he did it, and look now, he's created something amazing. And so you've got to, if you feel that fear when you're stepping out into your call, you've just got to ignore that fear and carry on and push through it so that you can step into your calling. So this morning, I want to ask you, Will you come with us? Will you join us on this call to make a difference in the town of Mansfield? Will you join us in building the church, Arena Church, Mansfield? Will you come and join us? Because we can't do it on our own. We need a group of people to come with us. We need people that are going to step up and say, I want to do that. I want to do that. And just help us to build this church and build the kingdom of God. The worship team are just going to come up and I'm just going to finish by praying. If you could just close your eyes just to give people their privacy.